Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Lax Lounge. Before we get into this awesome episode, and trust me, you're going to want to listen until the end. It is an amazing conversation. Quick word of warning, we had some audio malfunctions for the first 23 minutes, so there is a pretty noticeable echo, but after that, it gets very smooth and crisp. After that 23 minutes, you should be fine, uh, but it is something you'll notice. Hope you enjoy. Let's kick to the intro. Now the move to X. Look at that score. The roommates. Bridge to Orlando. This episode is proudly sponsored by Evade Learning. If you are an education major or anyone considering a career in teaching, you won't want to miss this. Evative Learning is an innovative educational consulting company that is revolutionizing the way aspiring teachers prepare for their careers. As a proud sponsor of the Lax Lounge podcast and Cabrini Lacrosse, Evative is here to help you take your teaching aspirations to new heights. Evative offers a comprehensive one-on-one coaching program tailored specifically for those interested in entering the teaching profession. With Evative's coaching program, you'll receive personalized guidance and support to help you succeed in your career. They provide mock interviews, guided job searches, resume optimization, and much more. Their team of experienced educators and career coaches will equip you with the skills and knowledge needed to excel in the competitive world of teaching. One of the most incredible aspects of Evative's coaching program is their guarantee. Yes, you heard it right. They guarantee at least one job offer within the first three months of coaching. That's an amazing opportunity you don't want to miss. For just $250 per month, Evative guarantees that you will receive at least one job offer. Imagine the peace of mind knowing that your investment in coaching will lead to tangible results. It's an offer you can't afford to pass up. So whether you're a current education major, a recent graduate, or someone looking to make a career change into teaching, Evative Learning is here to support you and guide you in every step of the way. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to secure your job as a teacher. Visit their website at www.evative.com to learn more about their coaching program and how they can help you kickstart your teaching career. Once again, that is www.evative.com. We're here. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You might now notice we have a little bit of a different setup right now. Where are we? We're in the Philadelphia. Yeah, he actually threw me in the car and just drove me blindfolded. So I have no idea where I am. I'm a little lost right now. Bird outside of his nest, but we do have a special guest joining us today. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that we went all the way down here to Philly to make this episode. We're joined by two time state champion, one time national champion, the 27th overall pick in the draft of the Premier Lacrosse League. Please welcome Kyle Wong. Welcome on to the Lax Lounge. Thank you very much for joining us. We're, we're pumped. This, this is going to be awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit about just yourself. Uh, what's up, guys? First, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Uh, Springfield, Pennsylvania, obviously Delaware County. Always know where you're from. Um, went to Springfield High School, graduated in 2018. I uh, just finished up the University of Maryland my fifth year. I uh, had a blast nice doing that. Um, and now I'm back home and, you know, going to post college athlete life, you know, working at high school and coaching high school sports. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. And, Looking forward to getting on with you guys today. Oh, yeah. And I love that shirt that you're wearing. Yeah. Awesome. It's a special, special gift, definitely. Beautiful. beautiful. Fits perfectly. So, we've been starting our conversation a little different than we have in the past. We've been doing a fast five series of questions. So, simple simple answers. Um, let's get started. All right. What did you want to do growing up? Uh, coach. Obviously, Pat's a professional athlete, NBA. Um, 
kind of got limited at five eight. So we uh, we went to kind of coaching and working in the sports world. Love it. Uh, what's your hobby? Uh, watching sports. That's it. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie, Dark Knight. Great. Okay. What's something you want to do this year? Uh, I want to take months. Yeah, I got three months. <laughs> uh, I definitely want to take a trip with my friends. Nice. Nice. All right, next question. Who's the best player you've ever played with? Ever played with? I got two times. Four times. Four times. I'll go with, I'll go with Jared Bernard. No, 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 I think he was pretty angry, but you know, Logan gets the job done. What was your special about her? What kind of, kind of was there something, something about him in his style, like in practice, and can you just, just have like a just, just the steady intensity that I don't think people can match. Um, um, he was just a special, special player, special athlete, athlete physically, he was getting the things, but he just saw the development for five years that was. You know, you know, second, second on, um, and you know, you know, he's just, just as, as humble as they come. You know, you know, when everyone, when, when your best, best players humble and working like that, it just trickles down to everyone. So, kind of, kind of go with him in that regard. Special guy, special player, special family. So, just gotta go with him. So, you're pretty important now. So, what's it like to look back at He made my life a lot easier. You know, he's six four, catches everything, puts him in the back of the net. So. Again, similar, just quiet, works hard, took care of his business, pro's pro. Um, just really awesome people to be with and awesome players to play with. Oh my gosh, yeah. He's just like, he's like, I'm like, he's a quiet dude. He plays like a quiet dude. I never, I always looked at him. I'm a good visual guy. He got a passing my test for me, and I never saw him passing my test. And then he'd go out and drop like seven points, and I'm like, nah, he didn't actually. Maybe had like two. But, uh, I also look at how many of us we five eight kind of lose. We had our other tests this week, and we we're all doing our height. Me and our uh, teammate Nate, he was saying that he's like a strong five ten. He's not no way tall. And I always say like, yeah, my doctor's office will have five nine three bracers. Why not try to just practice ten to ten? You say you're five five nine three bracers. You say you're six foot. Call call the bell. I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. So we're measuring measuring your height, and he's like, let's go on five ten and a half. I'm going to go like. Watch, watch this. Five, five, ten, and cool quarters. Cool. 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 I got it. 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 I am out. I can take some dollars. Five, five, eight, and eleven. Anything else with Aaron Bernhardt? His scores all year. What was this? That ten team jazz. That was just a weird season. I'll probably touch on this a little bit later too. But but was he was he your captain? Right. Yes. Yes. So, so what was it like your position coming, coming out of the, the weird weird COVID period where I got shut shut down and I could have all these situations? Like how did how did he kind of navigate that? Yeah, yeah, he, he took the fall fall off. Um, he came, came back kind of trying to jump where we got ready to go. Um, you know, you know, he just was himself, himself, you know, and he just didn't, didn't try, try to be anyone else. Um, and they're great creators, older guys that kind of took took care of business and. You know, you know, the standard was there and what we needed to do. Um, here's the rules, and how we're going to do everything. And, you know, he just lived up to it every day. You know, we by example type of guy, and everyone kind of follows suit. You know, when that guy's doing that. Um, that was a wild year. You know, we went probably January 8th or 9th, a little more day, not seeing our families, not seeing anyone outside of the community, staff. Um, so, looking we'll back, you know, I definitely wouldn't do it again. It was a cool experience to be you know, Practice was like the best part of the day. You know, you're in your room, you get practice to see each other and hang out. 
Um, so, you know, those guys did a great job and really set a good standard and, and did what we needed to do to, you know, almost get what we wanted to do. So, uh, it was a special year and it started with Jared, you know, having a special season. So, I'm just going to do this. I'm looking here. Um, was he at the curve? Was he he was pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say he wasn't the biggest rah rah guy. Um, but I feel like when he did speak, people listened. And I think that's always, you know, we had a guy, Roman McGlucci, who was loud, energetic, brought it every day. Um, so it was a different balance with Jared. And I think that was the beauty of that team. And, you know, when those years I was there, we had such great personalities that all just set off each other um, and build a really good, you know, leadership group from the top. I love how you said that, uh, Roman Kabulisi, the teammate, to come in and be the robber guy. When I think about it, like on almost every team that I've been on, it's the defenders that are the juice guys because they're all psychopaths. Like they're all crazy. I mean, long, long and now, like they're all out there just trying to chop their shoes on your arm. And the offensive guys kind of just laid that. Like, like you said, lead by example, and then when you speak, listen. Like I think that's that the dynamic on our squad in the last couple of years. Like. Our offensive captain hasn't been the guy who's going to be the best high club speech, but when he does give a speech, like it's meaningful. Um, shout out PJ Hewitt, he's our juice team mini guy. He's a crackhead, I love it. Oh my god, for sure. So, so let's talk here on the screen. All right, uh, when did you first appear? I've probably been doing this around third or fourth grade. Uh, Springfield had a great tradition of lacrosse, you know, from Kyle Sweeney to Drew Adams, you know, to Greg Campbell and Brian Christopher. So it was always my guy you looked up to. And it was a big part of, you know, growing up in Springfield was playing lacrosse. Um, so, you know, I kind of played from third, fourth grade, and then about seventh or eighth grade started getting really serious and, you know, joined the club circuit and, you know, was a part of some really special teams at Springfield. Um, and went everywhere with, obviously, the shoot to start there is, you know, your goalie attack and midi that, that do it all for you. Um, and, you know, that, that was kind of, Springfield lacrosse is kind of everything. You know, I, I'm coaching this spring, literally looking forward to it. Um, you know, it would be tough to coach anywhere else in high school lacrosse. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Do you remember your school? First sure goal. I don't. Really? I do not. That's bad. Yeah. I, I vividly remember, well, my first game was just a movie. So, uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm from Washington, and uh, the big stereotypes is, Rains every single day, which it doesn't, but this story is sideways, right? It's like every season, 45 years or something. We're like standing in middle school, this dirt field in the middle of bumblefuck nowhere, and uh, it's this tearing, torn down area, um, mud everywhere. It's my first game ever. Pull up, dad drives, and he's excited. My dad's been playing lacrosse for it. He's from Canada, kind of grew up with it. He's been like, let's go, let's go, let's find him. Yeah, yeah, he's nice, he's nice, he's nice, Pull up, get our jersey, grab 22. So I was like, yeah, I like double numbers. He's like, you realize, you know Gary Gate is? I'm like, absolutely not. He's like, okay, well, big shoes to fill. Um, regardless, we're out there, and I'm hating life. I'm like, this sport sucks, this is awful. I'm cold, I'm wet, miserable. The ball is just sticky, sticking around on every it drops. My dad was telling me I probably should have like 10 goals just with all the shots because I was trying to bounce shots, but it doesn't bounce, it just sits right there. Uh, so I'm right outside the crease, and somebody shot, balls on the ground. I scoop it up, look at it in my stick, look at the goal, fling, because I'm like second second grade, I don't know what I'm doing, fling, it goes in, and everyone starts going nuts. I'm like, did I just do that? That was cool, I got the rush. Um, after the game, we went to a McDonald's drive through or something. So I was like, I want a hot chocolate. I'm quitting. I don't like this. And we drove away. And I was like, 
Yeah, I think we'll go back to swan. What was your first goal? Uh, shit, uh, just playing Wrigley, my third grade year. Uh, I was def I was defenseman before I started playing offense. Uh, one fifty defenseman third grade year. I did not have a long pole yet. Uh, remember, I picked up the ball, ground ball, put it in my left hand, ran the entire length of the field, and just dumped it like that. Well, that's pretty tough. Everyone wants to stay with me. So it's like a shitty field. That's my favorite. It's my lucky. I've never had that in there. Scored my first career goal there, and then youth ball in high school. I scored in high school, but youth ball I scored my last career goal there, and then high school before I transferred, scored my last goal there. So that's every time I play another Wrigley basketball goal. There's actually a small. There's probably gonna be a statue of you outside of Wrigley, and then me outside of St. Louis Middle School. Because we don't know. <laughs> every mother's mother's dad also scored a hat trick uh, from like third to like eighth grade. I really liked it. Uh, I played baseball too. I ran track. Uh, we had a great group of kids, you know, my age that played baseball. So I kind of went through Little League with them. Um, and then kind of on the other side of that was I was like, I really, really love playing this game. Um, that was probably seven, you know, taking that in the eighth grade. And um, from there, I really haven't looked back. You know, spring's been once basketball, you know, once the ball's on the rack for this uh, season, it was across till, you know, football camp. Um, that's kind of, kind of how it was. So, like, getting into middle school, like, sixth, seventh grade, like, where was your head at, like, in terms of, like, sports, like, looking forward to high school? Did, did you always want to get to Springfield? Were you going to go to a private Catholic? Uh, I was always Springfield. I never fell twice. Uh, my dad had coached high school basketball there for, you know, probably seven years at the time. So, you know, I'd been to those games. I, I, you know, was a gym rat up there, high school basketball games and football games. Um, so I always know I wanted to go to Springfield. You know, it didn't really matter what, you know, game calling or what other options were. That was, you know, where I wanted to go. Um, you know, and I'm happy. It was awesome. Was that a middle school year back in the day when, could get talked to by college coaches way before before you got to high school. Did you have to deal with that in eighth grade? Like, did you have to make the decision in your mind, like, I'm going to open myself to playing lacrosse in college all the way four years before that even starts? I was just at the beginning of, of the middle school era. Obviously, it was starting early. I remember Matt Moore was a great grade above me, um, and he had committed. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, so he kind of opened the door to understanding that part of lacrosse. Uh, when I was a freshman, is when that freshman fall was like that was the time where it was, you know, you know, there's 10, 15 coaches on the side of every single club lacrosse game that, that fall. Um, and then, you know, it really didn't hit for me until after the spring in that summer was kind of summer going into my sophomore year was when I committed. And that was the awakening of, all right, this is college. Like this happens fast. Um, Um, I kind of played a more like two-way for, for the team. 
Um, like I said, we had a really good group. You know, obviously James Benson, Cage, Lucas Benson on attack. Um, so you know, I kind of fit more of a two-way. And as the went along, kind of got more footing on offensive end. Um, so that's kind of where I was able to kind of fill, see any fill need type of thing for the team. So that was awesome for me, and you know, it worked out uh, for the team. Were you able to have any big moments? Not even like you make the play, but you're in a massive game. So the example my first big loss to the prize was going to go to. It was at uh, this giant stadium. It was one of the top four A teams in the state. Stanford is still a kind of covered. So, like, Stanford packed, but um, it, it, the energy was just through the roof. And we got absolutely shit storm. Like, they punched us in the face. It was bad. And I was, and I was kind of like, whoa, whoa, so this was like the play that he has. Do you ever have that much of a trip around um, I know the district championship, obviously, I played all year, I had a good year, but that was kind of the point where I was like, this is like big time, like this is cool. You know, there's a lot of people at this game, there's, you know, Conestu was rolling out, you know, a 10 division one player, player. you know, not our, our, our guys on our side. And you know, I remember just, you know, probably a couple minutes left, four or five minutes in the fourth quarter, you know, catching an outlet, clearing it, and just kind of being like, wow, like, I just did that in this type of moment with, you know, with the kids I grew up with and this your championship. Like that was when it was like, all right, this is kind of cool. You know, this is a special, special moment. And, you know, where else would you rather be? This is like awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you talked about uh, playing with the Spences in high school. Did you grow up playing with them or was it just the opportunity in high school that you got? I don't know if there was ever a team I didn't play on with the Spence on, okay. you know, yeah. From, yeah. whether it was James or Jack. Um, and obviously, it was with the first year I played with him was my freshman year when he was a senior. Um, so, you know, I always joke, like, I don't know. I wouldn't know Springfield lacrosse without a Spence on my roster. That's so funny. So, Lucas Spence being a senior, uh, your freshman year, um, obviously, he went to Lehigh, had a great career there. How was he as a leader? Uh, he was awesome. Yeah. You know, he would just do things, and, you'd be, you know, people are probably just shaking their heads, and you're like, that's just Lucas. He, you know, ran through three guys and found waiting for the ball in the cage, you know. Um, he was just, you know. Like I said, more of a quiet guy, but you know when he when he spoke, people listened, and you know he was kind of the guy that you know we followed all the way till you know the state semifinal of the district championship that year. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was getting recruited to Virginia, he was the guy that was he was on the ground. Yeah, he was on my head the entire time texting me, calling me all that. Great guy. Uh, I remember that was the year after the senior at Lehigh, and he tore his ACL, I believe, that fall. It was before the season, I know that. And he was playing, playing in the first first game. And, and I remember watching that and being like, you're, you're, you're off your hocker. If you just threw your ACL with the NCAA Smalls and you're, you're back starting. Like, and then I think he had like three goals. And it was like, dude, you're, you're insane. Yeah. Yeah. Is there something in the air at Springfield where you just have to be great? Like when you're out on that field, when you're at the school, like you just have to have a level of greatness. That's awesome. I think that's how I was wired. You know, I think. There's something special about Springfield is in the amount of people that went to Springfield, go back and teach at Springfield or live in Springfield. Like, you know, the return rate's really high. And I think that's why people take so much pride in doing things a certain way. Um, you know, and it's, and it's kind of, if you, if you don't, don't you're higher. Um, so I think, you know, no one loves Springfield like Springfield people love Springfield. You know, you can look at it like that. And it's just how, you know, kind of the cornerstones of the town and, and how the people that are in there. So I think with like the grit and the lacrosse aspect, I think like one person you can you can really thank that's Tom Tom. Um, 
much as the career and graduated away from our coach, uh, our old coach, rather. Uh, so what was that like having him as your, your coach on your sideline? Um, he's the best. He's the best coach in the state. Um, I, I can say that pretty clearly. And, you know, obviously at the time, there's some ups and downs with your coaches. Um, you know, he was, he was hard on me. He was hard on us. But, I mean, that guy just – He's all in. He loves each player. He loves the team. He, he's assimilated so well that the town, you know, lives there now, works for the, works for the school, the athletic director. Like, he's just, you know, I just don't think second to none when it comes to investment in a, in a program, in a town. Um, and he was just a special guy to play for. What do you think about like, your progression as a player? I think it's just discipline and how we do things. You know, if you walked up to practice in black socks, you might as well just walk back. You know, like he's just what like this guy's wearing white socks. <laughs> you know, white socks, you know, black shorts, you know, black or blue shorts, like white or uh, blue shirt. You know, like, it was kind of like that. Um, and it just weaned out some people that didn't want to buy into doing things the right way. And, you know, it's kind of like if you don't, can't wear the right socks, how are you going to? You know, do the right thing for the guys. So I've had two coaches, like two different kind of coaches, growing up my entire life. You have the coach that gives a pregame pre to you, and the long yeah. lock. You have the coach that talks to you guys while you're with right? How, what was he like? Was he the locker room guy? Was he the guy on the field just giving motivational quotes and all that? You know? He was more the locker room guy. Yeah. You know, he gets really worked up before the games. You know, like like he's about to play and gets into it. So. Obviously, before the game, I don't think this as much on the field. Um, and then he just would get get the guys going before the game. You know, Ryan Adolph is a defensive coordinator. Does a great job as a Maryland guy. He he's the same energy type guy. And you know, those two were just great getting guys going um, in the locker room before the game before you head out. My high school head coach, Drew Snyder, Maryland alum, legend. Uh, he is the third version. So we have like the locker room guy, the guy who's under down to the players. And then there's one who's warming up the goalies. And that's how he like, takes off a little bit of the edge that you have those pregame jitters. He'd just be ripping on, shout out Drew Chapman, absolutely. Um, but he'd just be ripping on him pregame. We we're doing our like passing around, and he turned over and broke our couch. Yellow, yellow, for Joe Jones. Always, it's always fun watching like a really good shooter, especially like as a high schooler, watching a pro lacrosse player just kind of go off. It, it's pretty magical. It's awesome. It's funny to play New York now. You know, Ryan Schreiner is working yeah. on the goal, and he's not going 100%, but he's going, he's definitely 75%. We were watching the Gettysburg Swarthmore game last year. We all went down. You just like look over on the sideline, like it's Mac Felly in the peak. Like I watched his highlight tape in high school. I watched. I watch him on the weekends with the Army Huge Archers fans. Like I love the Archers now, so Yeah. So I know we already touched on it a little bit with the like the whole like recruiting process, but uh, as opposed to it, what where was your benefit? Was it always Maryland where it or was it I had uh, I have fifteen coaches taxed me. I might as well take fifteen tours to see what well, like, see what see what program I might um, Maryland really wasn't on my radar, honestly. You know, I always looked at lacrosse as kind of the way to get into a school I could never go to. Um, you know, so you always kind of have your Dukes, your Notre Dame, your Virginias, your Carolinas, you know, just kind of those schools that, you know, are elite in some way, maybe academically or they're private. So I kind of looked at it like that. Um, and then when I kind of got into the recruiting, you know, Maryland was obviously really interested. You know, Coach Casey said Lehigh was awesome. You know, I took a visit at Penn State at Villanova. Um, and I really felt like at Maryland, it checked a lot of boxes. It was a big school. It had sports to look back on and go visit, you know, football and basketball. But I also just felt like when I walked in the building, it was the guys there were guys from Springfield. That's how I felt, you know, just a blue-collar type mentality. 
you know, not a lax bro type type idea. Um, and I feel like they were like my friends from home and I felt comfortable there. And, you know, I just was a spot. Um, so no, I didn't think that was like my dream school, so to speak, but you know, I, I visited there twice just to double make sure and double check. And you know, there was a no brainer and that's where I wanted to spend my, you know, four years or ended up being five. Yeah. So you would say making the decision on that was, was pretty easy after that second tour. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it was just, you know, dot the T's and uh, dot the I's and uh, cross the, the T's. T's. There yeah. you go. Or you can dot your T's. Yeah. I'm getting a little frisky. Um, I always tell all the kids when they ask me, like, recruiting, like, oh, well, what's the process like? And, like, finding a school. It's like, you'll know. Like, when I came to campus, I drove into Cabrini. I remember it vividly. I walked into our athletic center, and I was like, I think this is the place. Like, there's just something in the air. I, don't, I can't explain it, but, like, you just know. And then leaving that night, uh, we actually came down here to downtown to go watch a Phillies game. And uh, I was sitting on the train with my parents, and I'm like, I had five more tours because I was going to Ohio the next day, doing a bunch of other D3 schools. I looked at them, and I'm like, I think I'm going to commit here. Like, I might just text in right now. I'm like, my mom's like, no, we have to go look at these other schools. We've got to do it. On the flight home, I told them, I was like, I'm committed. Like, this, 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 this is, there's no other option. Like, I don't know what to say. Um, so that, that's one thing that like, every kid is so worried about. Like, oh, my gosh, i got to look at all these schools, I got to go to the big names. It's like, you could go to the small school ever. You can go to shitty little Cabrini like us and you'll fall in love with that play, that place. And like, you'll know right away. Uh, do you remember who your first text was like from a college coach? It was, so it was down a time where like we had to call them technically. Okay. So like, you know, you can say, Hey, can you have Kyle call me at this time? Um, I remember talk to coach Phipps at Navy, um, in the spring when he was an assistant there. I think he's back now before he went to Georgia before he went to Georgetown. Um, and that was cool. You know, it was kind of towards in our playoffs. Um, I know I talked to him. I think he was maybe the first. Uh, obviously, he knew Ryan Adolph pretty well. So, you know, that was an easy connect. Um, and it was cool. You know, it's kind of, it is humbling to kind of be in that spot and, you know, have someone be interested in you and, you know, you're interested in that. That is one thing I do miss about the recruiting process was like waking up to new texts from people where it's like, oh my gosh, like this school just reached out to me. Honestly, when uh, when the whole Cabrini stuff went down, a lot of the coaches that had recruited me like sent the little, oh, hey, thinking about you, heard about this. And it was kind of getting me back into that process where it's like, whoa, like I got real estate in their heads. Like, they're thinking about me 24-7. They say Cabrini and then like, yo, Jason Fridge is there. Um, so that's always just fire me Because like you said, it's who believes in you and is like, I want you. Um, and I'm going to give you my best sales pitch so that you can come be a part of my family. So uh, that always fires me up. Yeah. So you graduated high school. Obviously, you're committed to Maryland. You graduate with, I think it was over 300 points is what I read. Insane. Um, get into Maryland, you're a freshman. What, what was that like stepping on campus first time? Parents drop you off. You're, you're by yourself. It's it's challenging. You know, it's I don't think no matter what school you go to, what program, you know, you're out of your cocoon, right? I was in Springfield for, you know, 16, 17 years of my life. And all of a sudden I'm dropped in a new place with, you know, 30, 40,000 people and you got to figure it out. Um, you know, when I was supposed to be with a lot of great guys, um, I think the team's as welcoming as it, as it can be. You know, it's not clicky. It's, you know, you're a Maryland lacrosse player, you know. And so you obviously you go through your normal ups and downs, you know. You got a couple of freshman things to do. You got to clean the field. You got to run the balls out. You know stuff like that. But for the most part, it was a really welcoming group through a tough transition. You know, all of a sudden in school, you have a social life. You have a lacrosse part. You're trying to, you know, catch up the guys that have been there for a couple of years. Um, so it's definitely a transition period. But 
you know, once you get through that, it's really rewarding and, you know, you just, you just meet some special people and, and special families. Yeah. I mean, that season for Maryland itself was, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. It obviously an amazing regular season, but then you guys get the playoffs and in one thing leads to another, you guys play Virginia and maybe one of the craziest, I mean, so, okay, give me your perspective on that game. So, 2019, it's the quarterfinal against Virginia? Yes. We had snuck in the playoffs that year. Uh, we didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, we, like I said, we had a really great season. All of a sudden, we dropped two in a row to Hopkins, and, you know, we're sitting there selecting Sunday. Just, like, I remember being in a dorm with all the freshmen and my guys and being, like, I guess we just got to – you just watch. You're helpless, you know. And so, we slip in. You know, we go to Towson. You know, we upset them as the 11 seed. Um, and then, yeah, we headed up to Hofstra for the quarterfinals against Virginia. Um, yeah, it's honestly like a blur. You know, it all happens so fast during the game. Um, you know, in the moment, you're kind of just like, you know, jumping ahead to the pipe, pipe goal and all that. But, you know, you're just like, oh, what, what can we do next? There's something you can do about it. Um, you know, and I think that really changed that group of guys, whether it was my grade with Brett Makar and John Gepard and then the grade above me with, you know, Roman Puglisi, Alex Smith, Jake Higgins, like that whole group. Um, I think that really changed us. And obviously Jared and Anthony DeMeo and the great above them and, and Gruden. So I think that really changed how we do things and how we look at things and propelled us into having you know, that two-year run we did that going forward. That moment always fascinates me where uh, the goal gets counted, whatever, and then the camera cuts to Tillman on the sideline. And I remember watching this with my dad, and I'm like, how is he not losing his mind? Every other coach, I think, in the country would be going Our coach would be going ballistic. Shoot, I'd be going ballistic. Was he just that guy who, like, he knew the moment was big and he needed to kind of, like, calm everyone else down? Like, was that just Tillman's vibe the entire time? Or is he more just kind of so tactical and so worried about the X's and O's he doesn't let anything phase him like that? Honestly, I'm not sure. Like, like I really said, it was kind of like a blur for everyone. It's like, you know, they're going on this five, six goal run to kind of end our season. And, you know, that's just a part of it. Um, I think you're kind of like, like, well, they just scored three. All of a sudden, that's that one. Like, what do we do now? Um, yeah, I think there's obviously people have been like, oh, why didn't he, like, run on the field? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I But, like, that, if he ran on the field, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird that he ran on the field. And, like, he's during the middle of a NCAA, like, quarterfinal game. Um <laughs> Like I said, I think it's just just trying to figure out the next thing to do to try to, you know. I always look at the games as like it's a two-hour, you know, battle and you're just trying to get out of there with a W no matter if it's an hour 59 or, you know, one minute in. So um, I think that was kind of just how do we get out of here with a win no matter what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, talking about that entire game, the, the goal that shouldn't have counted but did, Matt Moore, and then the goal that ended up winning Virginia that game, also Matt Moore, their Delaware County legend that you brought up before. What is a I want, I want to stay on Tillman for a second. What's he like as a coach? Because I've heard that he's kind of uh, an interesting guy. But what, what was your perspective on him? Like off the something that we don't see when we're watching a game on Saturday. Like what's he like on the field at practice or in the locker room? Like kind of just around around the facilities. He's just like always locked in. Um, whether he's on his phone talking to someone about a recruit or you know game plan that week, he's just you know just loves the game and he, and he loves the team. And I don't think you'll find another coach that puts in more time trying to help his team win on a Saturday afternoon. Um, but, you know, he has this couple of jokes he makes he loves and then gets laughs out of people. But he uh, he's definitely, you know, loves the New York Giants. You know, he'll make Giants jokes all day long. Um, 
you know, we look big guys and they all love football. So that's kind of how, you know, we talk and, you know, football is the thing we can relate with the coaches with. And, you know, he's, like I said, he's just all in and, and puts in, you know, hours and hours and hours. I think his Saturday nights are watching film. Um, and, you know, I think I appreciate that. And all the guys appreciated what he what he put in, you know, every week and, and for the team. Was there ever like a massive memorable freak out that he had? Every coach has done it. Like I, like Drew's won it in high school. This one kid, Axel, uh, he was a senior. Showed up to practice late, and I forget what he was doing. I think, oh, he made a joke to uh, one of our other teammates whose name was Conrad, and uh, we had uh, called him. I went to an all boys school. We had called him Cumrag, uh, and so like we would be, we were going through warm up, and I think it was one of those days where Drew was just having a bad day, and he was waiting for one thing to light him up, and so Axel went up, showed up late, and then first word he says is like "Yo, Cumrag," and Drew blows the whistle. Everyone get on the line and starts screaming. I've never seen him more mad in my life. Starts screaming, makes us do. Uh, I think it was like thirty. We call them thirty D snides, which is like. One down across the field was just one instead of down and back being one. So it was 15 of those, but he was like, we're going to run until I'm tired of watching you guys run. He's just bitching us out the entire time. Like that was my, I've never seen him like that. And still to this day, like kind of look at him a little bit different. I'm like, well, I didn't really have, you know, you had that in you. Uh, did Dylan ever have one of those moments? Uh, not that I can remember. I think when coach wanted to address something, it was, you know, we would sit down and he would talk about it, you know, and try to turn it into like a life lesson or, you know, something like that. And we really were almost never punished with like running, you know, really? that's kind of not how we did things. Um, you know, like I said, it would be a meeting or, you know, and we'd be in the film room for hours if we needed to, to kind of get the point across or get where we needed to go. Um, you know, but for the most part, we just, we had a lot of guys that really cared and we didn't have a ton of issues in my last couple of years with, with that, you know, the usual, like, you know, get back on defense, you know, to pick up a ground ball, stuff like that. But, um, like you said, if there was something that, that happened, it was a lot of, you know, just team meetings and, and, you know, going over stuff. And like I said, we just go over the clear for like 30 minutes a day. And, you know, that was just like part of the, the daily, daily dose. Yeah, what was your uh, what was your practice kind of like a typical Monday practice looking like? Because I was finding fast. Our practices are two and a half hours, or last year they were, and it is boom, boom, boom. High intensity, like, entire time, no rest. We had Jake Fop was our not grad assistant; he was our face-off coach last year from Syracuse. Obviously, our first follow-up practice, we're like off on the sideline. I think we're doing a NASCAR, so full field, just roll the ball, go for like ten minutes. Uh, and I'm sitting on the side and he looks over at me. He's like, this is insane. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, at QS, we do like maybe five minutes at a time where it's like full intensity. And then it's 30 minutes of just chilling out. And it'd be maybe an hour, 15, hour and a half. What was a Maryland practice like? Uh, so our game week, we, we almost always just played on Saturdays. You know, it's almost like a football schedule. So, you know, Monday we film, get through the last week's game, you know, go out, walk through some things, fix up, you know, clean up some things. And then Tuesday, Wednesday were our hard days. Um, we would just have film every day and kind of do that. But practice on like the hard days would be, you know, you go in, obviously you warm up, some sort of ground ball drill. Like we had to drill this Death Valley. And it was just like six lines over a stick, you know, three on three, and then just roll the ball out. And you had to like, you were in like from the midline of the restraining line yep. and the alley lines. And it was just, you have to make two passes. And it was just like, utter destruction of each other. Yeah, yeah, just, just absolute, absolute chaos. chaos. Um, and then from there, you you know, we would do, probably just go into positional, we'd do scout, start our first scout, split ends, maybe some uh, 
first team on first team, and then we'd kind of do some transition and then power play. Um, we were pretty cookie cutter almost every day. I could tell you kind of the idea of what we were trying to do um, with a couple of tweaks based on who we were playing. Uh, but yeah, it was intense for when it was supposed to be intense, it better be intense. Mm -hmm. You know, when it was time to be focused and go over stuff, you better be ready to go over stuff. Now, are you guys ever doing uh, inter squad scrimmages or? Yeah, so in the fall, that was, you know, the red white scrimmages were awesome. Whether it was, you know, sometimes we just grab like four freshmen and two of them would be captains for each team they pick. You know, just put them on the spot. Um, there was times where we did, uh, you know, the fifth years would pick. Um, and that was probably, you know, probably three in the fall was, you know, your scrimmage with another team. And then we would probably have probably two, two in the in winter. Um, yeah, right away, it's sort of blast. You know, it was always, for a while, it was whoever picked Jared first would just usually win. So, <laughs> but once he finally, you know, got out of there, it was, it was some really good battles. For your uh, scout team, did you ever have a, or every single year, like we are proud members of the Cabrini Scout Snipers, so we'd go out and just light up our defense. And there'd be some days, uh, last year when we were preparing for Dickinson, we were doing the walk through their man up, and I was at the lefty attack spot, and they were saying that the guy likes to hit the skip ball. Nick happened to be the skip ball all the way in the top right. And uh, I kept throwing it because it was open, and I just get through everybody's stick. And it got to the point where our coach paused the entire thing. He's like, "Okay, Fridge, do that again." Uh, I think it was uh, Corbin in the who's in the middle. It was Corbin or Gers. It had to be Gers because I think because he was man down. Yeah. Um, and they're like, "Gers, knock the ball down. Don't let him get the ball there." Okay, come through. He knows I'm throwing the pass. Just right past him. Gers out. Count him. Okay, knock the ball down. Same thing. We connected seven times in a row. It got to the point they plugged in every single defender into that spot. Uh, the last one was Corbin because I remember he turned to our coach and he was like, no, it's just Fridge. Like, you know, he, he's going to make that pass. And Deluxe turns to him and he's like, no offense, Fridge. Their attackman is way better than him. If he can do it, that guy's going to do it, and they're probably going to score a lot more. But, like, those iconic scout memories are, like, that's what I love. Oh, yeah. we, we were bought into the scout squad. Did you have those, like, that one guy who just popped off during the scout period? Yeah. Um, the scout guys take it serious, and you always have maybe one or two freshmen redshirting that really buy into it. Um, Eric Spanos last year um and zach woodier who then both had good roles in the team um this past spring and, and did a lot of good stuff for us i mean they were just bitches to play against in practice you know like it would just be you know all americans just couldn't stop them sometimes you know and it's just like you know coach would be like oh is everything all right and you know brad would just be like they're good players too like you know i'm trying my best you know and it kind of would go tuesday would be like that wednesday and all of a sudden thursday it's clicking friday it's clicking you know and you get ready for saturday um but you know, we take a lot of pride in the scout team and those guys those guys brought it every day um and i do think a lot of our success is, is from guys that that brought it and, and you know especially on the defensive end like they were able to get a look on a team all week and saturday was check the boxes done seeing that seeing that seeing that um but they, they're the best and you know if you play a team you know they score the fight song comes on you know and uh, it was just, it's a great part of practice and it keeps them involved. You know, it's tough not playing on Saturdays sometimes, but you know, you get a feeling of, I helped this happen with when you're bringing it like that every day. Yeah, definitely. You bring up Spanish. He's another guy, Maryland guy from uh, Melbourne prep that I would love to have on the show. Yeah. yeah he's a great dude. Yeah.
Um, I, I do like how you say the scout team, like just, just how bought in they are. We were called the Futures. Uh, that was kind of like a running thing. And then at the end of the year, we're like, the Futures now when we get into the games, like our conference schedule. Um, but yeah, you just, you just got to buy in and those studs out there. Because everyone is – my favorite part about being on scout team was like when we play Salisbury, when it'd be Tufts and I get to be cross for like I get to be Mason Conn at Tufts, Jack Boyd. Like, yeah. You're literally just filling into their roles and you can kind of just fuck around. You can do crazy stuff. Yeah. Like our head coach was usually on the other side. So it was our grad assistant D coordinator who were like younger guys, more chill and like relaxed. So you could have some of those like, hey, I'm, I'm going to throw behind back pass here because it's scouting. It's not going to matter. It's a decent look. Cross might do it. You know, somebody else might do it. So we always, uh, obviously, we're very passionate about our uh, scout team. I think, I think it was the, the end of the year I think we were playing York so I think it was probably the most important scout of the year um, and it was a pass that they were making uh, a guy was running a wheel up uh, coming up and he had to make a skip pass down to the low uh, pinch on the left hand side and I'm pretty sure it was like Morris off playing it we did it like four times in a row with like no error and they were like alright like this is fucked it was the same, same exact situation as before with you but it wasn't it was the exact opposite, actually. I think uh, the other thing that's fun is when you do get to a game and you notice that they're like doing something, and you're like, "Oh, we, like we literally did this." And then your defense stops it, and you turn to all the guys. You're like, "Hey, that's us! Like that's our job right there." It was all us. Um, kind of love a good scout squad. Yeah. So I guess we'll move into your uh, your national championship year. Well, but what, what was that like? I was I'm pretty sure your true senior year, academic yeah, senior yeah, year. Yeah. So what's that? Twenty two, if I'm correct. Twenty two. Twenty twenty two. It's three twenty nine p.m. Um, but let's start from the fall. Did, was there was there a feeling heading into the locker room in in August? I guess that was hey, look, we're in really good shape right now. Let's let's keep this moving forward. Or even like take it back to twenty twenty one because you guys go undefeated in the regular season, get to the Natty game, technically upset by Virginia. Like was it in that locker room? We were like, we're gonna run this back. Um, I think at that time it was. It was bittersweet. Obviously, we obviously wanted to win, and it was devastating. But at the same time, it was the first time we kind of got out of our bubble, you know. So maybe at the moment, it's like, hey, we get out of it. It was it was devastating. It was you know tough to see guys like Jared and, and Nick Grill, you know, go on without getting you know Jared another ring or Nick you know a ring. But um, you know that was that was an awesome year. You know, I think sometimes it's like, oh, if you don't win a national championship, it's a terrible year. And, yeah, the goal is to win that at the University of Maryland. But, you know, it was a special year with special guys. Um, and, you know, we just came up a little short, you know, and there's nothing, you know, I think everyone gave all they had. And, you know, if I could run it back with those guys on, a, you know, Memorial Day Monday at noon, I would definitely do it again against Virginia. And, uh, it, was, it was a great group of guys. And, you know, Luke Weirman, if he had another shot, I'd, I'd give the ball right back in the stick. Um, and you could see what, what that did to that group the next year. Um, you know, obviously losing Jared, that was an elephant in the room of, you know, how do we replace Jared? Um, but we did bring back a great nucleus. We brought in guys like John Donville and Keegan Khan, um, who, and, you know, Probosky, just special guys to bring in. You never know how guys are going to adjust in a new scene coming from being, you know, the best players on their team to coming into kind of, you know, a team with a lot of really good players. And they came in and were some of our best players that year and, and helped get us to where we wanted to go. Um, but I honestly didn't know how good we were, you know, until, you know, we were in the kind of, you know, end of February, early March. Um, like I said, when you lose a guy like Jared, it's hard to think you're going to be that good. Um, but 
the the improvement guys made and what the intensity people brought and you know coach always said it he's like i was always waiting for the day when we didn't bring it on a on a wednesday when it was cold and rainy you know and that day never came with you know the leadership we had Wow, so Donville, he came in from Cornell Correct. for his grad year. What was he like to play with? Because he's a guy that I kind of I like watching because of how his vision one is like through the roof. And he's an off-ball wizard. Like he's always doing something. It's his box background. Um, how is that as you, your style of play? Like you, you have great vision as well. Um, we talked about the assist record and like your big year in high school. But what was it like kind of playing off of him and taking the talents that he had from Cornell and adding that into your uh, into your team as like that little puzzle piece they need. Uh, it was awesome. You know, John was a captain at Cornell. He was just built, made of the right stuff. Um, and he was special to play with. It was kind of the first time I played out of the box with someone like that, you know, and he was just high IQ, easy to play with. You know, we always joked like, should John really be this good at lacrosse? You know, he's not slow, but he's not fast. But he just knew what to do. He was so self-aware. He was able to use his skill to create leverage and get his hands free. And, you know, when he slipped picks, he, he knew what he was doing with the ball before he even threw it to somebody else. Um, and he was, like I said, awesome to have. You know, we had so many older guys. You know, we didn't really have, like, hey, we have, this guy's a captain, this guy. We just had leaders. Um, John was one of them. And, you know, I don't think we – we get to where we got without him. Um, I know Memorial Day was tough for him playing Cornell. Um, it was a really tough experience. Um, but, you know, he was able to battle through it and, you know, pull one of the back of the neck that game and, you know, help us cut the, cut the nets. Does that benefit you guys at all, having him on the team after spending his entire, you know, four years um, I know it benefited us going into Hopkins uh, because Millman, who was his coach at Cornell, was then at Hopkins. So, you know, I know he sat down with Coach Bernhard and kind of went over, you know, just – Basics of offense, you know, what Coach, Coach, Coach Millman's kind of preference are. And, you know, you, you pick up on things you wouldn't pick up, you know, in the rectangle of your laptop watching film. Um, so that benefited us um, in that regard. Obviously, they hadn't played in so long. I think, I mean, John hadn't played a game in, you know, almost two years, over two years, I think, by the time we played High Point that year. So, um, you know, those guys at Cornell, you didn't really play with as much. Obviously, you spent years with them, you know, at school and practicing. But um, it really benefited us in that Hopkins game. Championship weekend, it was up in Fairfield. Um, you win that semifinal game on, that would be Saturday, Sunday off, and then the Monday game. What is that right after final corn, whatever, game ends in the semifinal? What's that time before the natty looking like for the team? Uh, so we got delayed on that Saturday. Um, That's right. The, Rutgers, the weather delay, right? Rutgers, Rutgers, I'm blanking on other Cornell. Oh. The Rutgers Cornell was, they got cut yeah, midway. So we went back to the hotel. We just, we kind of waited it out. We play, you know, we get, we only have so much time to recover, you know, based on your hours. So we get back, we eat, you sleep, you wake up. Um, that day is one of my favorite days of the year. Obviously, you're playing as long as you can play, which is awesome. But at the last practice, you get it was funny because we were back in Hartford, so we had kind of a similar schedule. Um, we do uh, IVs, massages throughout the day. That's kind of like the big recovery part. You know, Anthony Benyarko, our trainer, was awesome, and you just it's just film, eat, practice. So we had our yeah, walkthrough. All, right, all right, get back, okay. eat, film. You know, what else? It, that's kind of the entire day is just putting as much in as possible without going on overload. Um, and then Monday morning is, you know, wake up, breakfast, film. 
bus bus over and then showtime that's awesome i mean obviously yeah. that's, a, that's a dream uh, we got 27 guys on our roster this year we'd love to get down to the link get back there raise the natty one last ride one last time yeah um how did, how did that feel when you got your hands on the trophy what, what was that experience um it's indescribable you know especially the journey we went on with that group you know from memorial day 2021 till till that day um it was just so rewarding to see the fruits of your labor you know to do it for the guys that came before you and set the foundation um it was it was really special and you know doing it with obviously your brothers your family you know their families it was it was just an indescribable experience you know and it was probably you know it is the best day of my life yeah i mean the reason it wouldn't be. <laughs> you know, I can only dream. Uh, on that squad, last thing I'll ask, who's the glue guy? Like, who's the guy when everything was kind of, when you get to the dog days where, like you said, it's maybe it's February or, you know, middle of the season, you're, you're struggling to find that, like, motivation. Who was the guy who came in and was like, nah, like, I'm going to bring the juice. I'm going to keep everyone together. I'll throw it to, obviously, I talked about Roman Felici and Brett Makar. You know, obviously, 2D guys, like we talked about, those guys, they're, they're, the, they're the voice. Um, they they break down the huddles. They do all that. Um, and, you know they they didn't let anyone fall behind um, in that regard of bringing it and having focus and bringing intensity every single day. Um, they they were the glue that kept. And we had a lot of big pieces, you know, of, of, of player caliber, and they were able to keep it together and keep everyone at one goal and on one ship. Yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, within your career, everybody wants to talk about obviously the on field. Uh, what are those rewards? Yeah, accomplishments that you got. All Americans, Inside Lacrosse, Lacrosse Magazine, um, Big Ten. But one thing I saw and I wanted to highlight was 2022 and 2023. You got all Big Ten academic team uh, off the field. What what was your day to day in college doing? Doing your schoolwork and then having to practice, make sure you're getting enough food in your body, working out. So day to day. So once COVID hit, after that changed a little bit because fifth years were all in grad programs. So we ended up going in the morning in the fall every every day or whenever we, we had stuff. So, so, you know, it might be usually it was 7 a.m. start. So whether you or it was 6 a.m. So if you lift before practice, that was at 6. You go to practice and the other group lifts after or something along those lines. And then, you know, for us, we just roll right in the class. Um, and, you know, for for the grad guys, it might have been a little earlier, a little bit later, depending on the schedules. But. That was kind of a normal day. And then, you know, hopefully we get nine holes in at the Maryland golf course at the end of the day. Uh, so, but definitely that fall ball is, is some long days starting pretty early. And, you know, just trying to hit the reset for the next day and get some sleep. Yeah. So, for the listeners that might not know this, in college lacrosse or in college sports, regardless, um, you have to have a certain GPA. Um, depending on your grade. So freshmen have the lowest and then grad students have the highest, which I'm pretty sure is 3.0, might be 3.2. Something like that. Yeah. So did you ever find it troubling to keep your grades up while playing a college sport through any of the years you played? Or was it always something that you, you were able to balance going through your entire life playing sports? You know, for me, I feel like I was able to balance it. You know, I'll be honest, like I wasn't in an engineering program or, you know, uh, something crazy like that. I was, you know, history major, you know, working in the education field. So I was able to balance it um, pretty well. And, you know, we have a great support staff um, at school. And if you need tutors, you can get tutors. And, you know, for the most part, I was able to, to balance it pretty well. Um, like I said, I helped myself out with what I ended up doing. But, you know, I know some guys, especially when they hit the grad schools, 
um, it's a lot on their plate. Um, and, you know, they got to sacrifice somewhere, you, you know, whether it's Saturday afternoon or they're, they're studying a little bit before they see the guys or stuff like that. So they uh, there's definitely a lot on your plate for a college athlete. And I don't care what level you're at, you're you're putting a lot in to, to step on the field on Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, we're both communication majors, so I always kind of joke, uh, I got the Atlantic, our conference, Nerd of the Year, which is like the highest GPA in the conference championship game. Uh, and I was kind of selling tell people, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of a phony because, like, I have way too much fun in all my classes. Like, sports comm is one of my uh, uh, focuses. And two semesters ago, I took a class that was literally play-by-play sports announcing. And my final project was to watch Super Bowl 52 with the audio muted. And commentated, and I got a grade for that. And obviously, got a fucking hundred percent piece. Um, but like that—that's the type of stuff where my buddy goes to Swarthmore, you know, super hard school. He's a bio pre dental major. He tells me about like, yeah, I spent hours here. I'm always in the library. I'm like, yeah, you know, I had, I had an essay to do once, and like that was a lot of work. And it's just like, dude, shut up, like stop. You don't have any work. I had to have three cited references. Yeah. Have you ever sat in an editing bay for six hours to do a six minute video? Have you ever taken a final exam? Okay, dude, stop. I got you. I got you. Do you know what a lab is? Yes. Okay, stop. <laughs> so, what I want to ask is, without COVID-19, do you think you go back for a fifth year? Do you think you, you'd stay in college and get your graduate degree? Or? Uh, I would. You would have? Um, I loved it. I would definitely, you know, five years was enough. You know, I kind of wanted to end it. I was like, I'm really happy I got this year to be on a team again to play sports another year. Um, it was it was awesome. Um, so I definitely think I would. And yeah, I think it was, I'm, I'm really happy they the opportunity was there for the NCAA to, to use it and, and get it another year in. Do you think there's any way you wouldn't have done it without lacrosse? Like if lacrosse wasn't an option and they didn't give you the fifth year to play, do you think you still would have gone back and just had a normal year of school? Uh, probably not. I probably would have came home, you know, got back to Springfield as fast as possible <laughs> and, you know, continue my education. Uh, locally, most likely. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. We won't have to worry about the uh, fifth year thing. Thank God it ended with us because it's so confusing seeing like scouting a team and you're like, oh, who are they returning this year? And you just see like Cross Ferrer, great example. Last year, I thought he's like, what, 45 at this point? We even made the chirp and this this, this yeah. annoys me. We, we played them our freshman year and we're down there and we were chirping, uh, and one of the chirps was, your, your, your grade's the only grade that's going to graduate from Salisbury without a national championship ring. And he was a senior, they didn't win it, but they ended up winning last year when he was still on the team, so the chirp does not stand with him. Yeah. Which upsets me because I wish it did. Yeah, which that's a crazy thing about, like, it's just D3 for you. Like, Salisbury's been so dominant the last... I want to say 20 years, every class has graduated with at least one national championship, which is an announced thing you can say when you're recruiting a kid where it's like, hey, I almost guarantee you're going to leave here with a natty. Yeah, Berkman has like 10. Anyways, enough Salisbury talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's a recruiting podcast. But it is crazy with the, the ages of, of guys. You know, I think I want to say, I mean, I know our first midline at Maryland in 22 was the average age was 24 years old. So I think that probably helps when you're playing 18 year olds, you know, and you know, across the board, it was just a pretty old group of guys. Um, and you can see on how guys play that they've seen a lot of games on Saturday afternoons, you know? Yeah. It's that experience. I mean, it makes a big difference. I don't know. We had our fifth year defender, senior captain came back and it's like, you understand not only the system, not only the like pace of play, but you have that like extra advantage of like, if you are guarding a freshman or a sophomore, you're like, 
you know how to alpha them. You know how to like kind of get under his skin. You have that experience. You've gone through it so much that you can push it back just that much more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah truly. So I think that's that's all the college and career talk we have. I think so. Yeah. so I think it's a I think it's a good time for us to hop into our moment of the week. Before that, I want to ask uh, your PLL draft story. Oh, you got, yes. got drafted oh, in the PLL. Cool. Whoa, what's that like? Because I love seeing that they have like the uh, cameras on the ESPN stream, just people in like their college house, and you just like kind of get a. Do you just get a random phone call and they're like, "Yo, this is Mike Pressler, this is Paul Rabel, like you're gonna be in the league." Yeah, so it's like obviously they always have the NFL directs, like, "Oh, you know, you're talking to this team, you're talking to that team." Like, I didn't talk to anybody, so like you just turn it on and, and see what happens. You know, like I had a couple people that. You know, I had played with a new from Philly that were kind of asking me, you know, what are your plans? Are, are you going to try and play? You know, and I was like, yeah, I definitely would. And you know, the opportunity is there. And, you know, so you have a little maybe this team might like you, this team might not. And you just kind of sit there and wait. Um, and, you know, I luckily my name was called and I got the opportunity to experience that. Um, and not a lot of people do, which is pretty special. Um, but, yeah, it is it is kind of crazy. You just kind of obviously you have the big names that you knew were going to go in the top first round. But, you know, for me, I was just kind of sitting there, you know, with a couple of my buddies and just watching the, TV, watching the show like, you know, you guys were or anybody else. We joke about it. Uh, it'd be awesome because a couple of, like the last two years of D3 guys gone, like Max Wayne two years ago, Cross got picked this past year. Uh, we, we joke with some guys where it's like, you're just going to be sitting there like making dinner and then you're going to see your phone ring and you're going to be on ESPN. Uh, it, it just it, it's gonna happen so fast. You know, one day, who knows? Maybe there'll be a calling the forty five number. Yeah. Um, but training camp. So you were able to go up to all the yes. for that. What was that experience like? Um, it was awesome. You know, I was I was blessed to be with some pretty awesome guys at training camp. You know, people you see just on camera. You know, whether it was Trevor Baptiste or Eric Law. You know, Chris Get Chris Gray, like just really awesome guys. And you know, it's cool to see the other side of them you don't see when you're just watching a game on Saturday or Sunday. Um, and you know, I couldn't be more thankful. They were they were just awesome dudes, and you know, fun to be around. And in my experience, when I was up there, with those scrimmages that they ran, was that kind of like from college to the pro? Like, what was the biggest difference that you saw? Not even just like skill and speed wise, but transitioning from fresh off a college game to the new pro game, especially with the new rules that they added. Like, what what was that difference? Yeah, that, the new phase off rule is is crazy. Um, I I don't even think watching you understand like how fast that is. Um, when you step on the field to when, you know, that timer's going to hit zero. Um, that was obviously the biggest change, you know, that job from a structural standpoint of, of the game. Uh, but, you know, just just the windows, you know, whether, you know, I, I was up there with Brett and he's like, man, I just gave that guy just a half inch too much of the window and he called it and scored. You know, and that's the, the skill across the board is just unbelievable. And, you know, there's guys that – there's a reason why they've been playing for 12 more years after college. You know, they're they're pretty good at this game. Was there anybody who had the best uh, rookie chirp? Because I, I love seeing, like, the mic'd up clips or, like, the uh, highlights that they'll post. And they'll be getting on a guy who just got traded or, like I said, a rookie. Did anyone kind of say something you were like, ooh, respect, that was a good one? Uh, not really, honestly. Yeah. Like, like it, it all happens up fast up there. You know, like, you show up and, you know, you're practicing, you're scrimmaging, and then all of a sudden, like, there's cuts, and then, you know, whoever's left is going to play the first game. Um, so, you know, it's kind of an interesting dynamic on a team. Everyone's trying to compete for spots, but you're also like, oh, we're teammates, you know, and it all just happens fast. One of these days, we'll make it to the PLO. Maybe I'll be in the broadcast booth. That'd be yeah. really dope. Hey, that'd be sick. That's the dream. Yeah, all right. 
Moment of the week? Moment of the week. I think it might be time. I think it's time. Do you want to kick us off? I'll kick us off. Uh, the Cabrini boys had their uh, weightlifting test this week. Um, all the fellows were hyped up. Uh, I would honestly say this entire week was my moment of the week. It was. Yeah, we had, the energy was just through the roof, uh, especially on Wednesday. We had a team meeting. That's when we were doing our one rep max bench. Uh, I was in the morning session, so got it done at like 11 o'clock, come back for a meeting at 2, great meeting. It, it was a player-led meeting, really. Like, our coach was there, but he wanted us to talk, and we kind of just established, like, how we wanted to run this year, like, values-wise, what, what's going to be our identity. Very productive, awesome. And then, I think this was your group, right, that went in right yeah, after the meeting. Yeah, and I mean, I, don't, I think without that meeting, everybody gets 10 less pounds. It was that meeting was awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it ran long. That's how you know it's a good meeting most of the time, especially when it's player led and it's like, all right, hey, we're 20 minutes past the time that we said we were going to be done, and we also have to be lifting. Uh, yeah, it was super productive. Uh, popped in the weight room immediately after everybody was juiced up. Uh, I don't think Bear Evans had the smelling salts, but if he did, it would have been just that much better. Uh, yeah, it was great. And then Friday we did our uh, our squat. Yeah, the smelling salts were very they, they definitely were there. <laughs> uh, and then this week coming up, we have our run test and we have uh, a dead hang. Look forward yeah, to that. that's going to be interesting. Just hanging on a bar for as long as you can. Six guys will go at a time. And it's going to be one of those where it's like, I'm not dropping first. So Chalk your hands and close your eyes. As he was telling me, the life hack is you got to grip your thumb. Yes. Like you have to. Yeah, I think that's going to be that's my a, move. That's a Matty Reese special right there. Really? Hey, Matt Reese? Proud, Reese? Proud of all my Cabrini University. Yes, sir. I love so it. grip the thumbs oh, like, like, right around it. Around the bar. I'm, I'm going to test this out uh, tomorrow. I'll keep that in mind. I'm going to figure something out. Um, We're probably doing the dead hang tomorrow. Probably. <laughs> Honorable mention for that uh, that moment, Max Morsoff, pound for pound strongest kid on our team. He's maybe what five. He's he's five. five eight, eight, I'd say one hundred fifty five. Soaking wet. Like if you looked at him, you'd be like, okay, maybe you could bench a plate. Buddy put up two plates I think for he, bench. I think he posted two forty-five on bench, and then uh, three twenty on squat. Absurd! Uh, I, I walked in because um, I wasn't in the bench lifting session. Me and a couple guys like heard the screaming from upstairs. We were like, "Oh, we gotta go in! Like this is sick." Go in. He's hopping under the bar, lifts it up, benches it like it's nothing. Like literally two plates, which was. My well, my max is two thirty, um, and he's just like doing it like it's nothing. I'm like, damn, I feel like a bitch. Like I'm a scrawny piece of shit now. Damn, come on, Warsaw. Uh, so shout out Max Warsaw. Yeah, that can throw his weight. Yeah, gritty. Um, my moment of the week is gonna go to our pra- we had a captain's practice on Thursday, and at the uh, it was an awesome practice, probably one of the best that we've had in college so far just uh, probably ever the, like, the vibe was crazy because obviously like it being the last year and everything we're short numbers so everyone's getting a ton of reps world gas but like it was so productive like we got i think that practice we may have gotten better than a lot of the practices that we had last year but where this comes in is at the end 
uh, we're breaking down. Uh, we, we all had to do a little bit of running because we had, we had something happen earlier on in the week. Uh, come in and our captain, PJ, the juice guy, he's giving us you know, a nice little speech. Boom, it's only beginning, blah, blah, blah. And then Waldo, our, uh, our buddy that we've been talking about, uh, shout out Hunter Waldron, comes out and he's like, yo, I got a quote. Um, that was one thing we talked about in our meeting where it's like, we want a juice guy of the week who's going to have to read a quote before practice. And he's like, guys, I got one. So it goes up and it's from his favorite movie, same from like, um, the kid squirrel in the movie. I don't know. He, he texted. He, he texted me. Um, such a long movie. But um, he goes up and he says the best part of anything is the moment before it starts. And he said that and it just like completely summed up everything that had happened that day, that week, that year, everything. It was so perfect and it came out of an unexplainable source because like. Waldo was not the guy who was going to read you Moby Dick and like give you a good quote. And so that like hit me in the face. And I'm like, Waldo, that was all I told him afterwards. I'm like, that fired me up. Like, we finished practice and I was ready to run through a brick wall. Simple stuff. So shout out Hunter Walter. I remember I almost broke out laughing when he was like, it's from a guy named Squirrel. <laughs> I was just like, oh, can't wait to hear this quote. And it, was, it was actually awesome. It was a great quote. Yeah. Shout out. Good job, Waldo. Yeah. Um, Kyle, what's your moment of the week? Is going to be funny, angry. What do you got? Yeah, my moment of the week. Uh, I'll just take Friday night. I'm coaching high school football. We won on Friday. Big win over Conestoga. Getting back in the win column. So, Enjoying that. Uh, I'm up top in the booth with Coach Linox, obviously, Interborough legend, and, uh, you know, Coach D-Rock, who also coaches Interborough. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feed him their rice pudding and take care of him up top <laughs> with uh, AARP up, up, the, up in the booth. Wow, that's horrible. Yeah. Is it time for uh, – so we told you about the draft earlier. Uh, what, what's our timing looking like? Awesome. That's good to hear. Um we told you about the draft earlier. So you could pick a topic, and then we just kind of go. You get your five picks. We see who's got the best one. So do you have anything off the top of your head for what we could possibly draft here? Uh, I don't. Ellis, you got anything? Sweet college quarterbacks. Ooh, college QBs, like all-time college QBs. Cool. I got you. I got you. Yeah, there's some directions that I can the go. Coolest college quarterback. All time. You can go deep here. Yeah, this is where all I time. Go. So I can name any quarterback. Any ever. quarterback of all time. Sure. Um, I like the hack here. Just make sure you write down your picks because we'll do a recap at the end. And for the first, what, maybe two months, we didn't write anything down. And so we'd just be sitting there like, well, who's my third Last pick? episode. Yeah, last episode. <laughs> I'm forgetting something. We're just like going back for five minutes to finally remember. So yeah, using yeah. our phones as cameras. Yeah, we're trying to. Uh, it looked good though. Speed things up a little bit. It did. All right, so sweetest college quarterbacks. Ah, number one. Dude. Well, number one. Dude. Yeah. Um, and and so, obviously, our uh, our guest is going to be the number one pick. So, you're going to lead us off, and then we're going to rock, paper, scissors for you. Gets to go two and three. So, number one pick, sweetest quarterback of all time in college. What do you got? I will take Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Cool. It's a good one. Joe Burrow with uh, E-A-U-X. I think that's still one of the coldest videos of all time. Him walking out on senior day with that. And then, obviously, you know, hitting the, uh, hitting the cigar after the Natty game. Just, you know, Joe Steezy, Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rock paper scissors. Here we go. Rock paper, paper scissors. scissors. Shoot, shoot. Always go paper first. I'm reading you, dude. One rock paper scissors. Shoot. Boom. One one. Here we go. Lock it. I'm going scissors. Okay. Rock paper scissors. Shoot. I can't lie. I can't lie. What am I gonna do? Um, I'm on a two game losing streak now, so I gotta dial in. With Joe Barrow being taken first, I will 
select Johnny Manziel out of the university of Texas a Johnny Football. We talked about the uh, Johnny Football documentary that dropped on Netflix. Were you able to watch that? I did. Unreal. Awesome. Crazy. I think about that too with like a college athlete right now where like he's doing that shit at a major d1 university and like killing it on saturday and he's going out friday night until like five in the morning like stuff absurd and the story about him at like the draft combine where he was clean for two and a half three months shows up goes out messes up big time and then he had his dad fake like a heart surgery or something so he'd get out of the interviews fascinating stuff fascinating human being um, great pick. I'm going to go with another Netflix documentary reference here because there's no better quarterback, especially if you watch this thing, you know just how fired up you get. Tim Tebow, baby. Florida Gators. That Gator documentary, we're, we're uh, saying that we want to watch that before the first practice of the year because you walk, go through all four episodes and we're like, oh my gosh, I am literally dialed in right now. Like, yeah, I want to go kill um, the, their weight room energy is pretty awesome. Uh, Tim Tebow, it's going to be my first one. Yeah, I guess I'll. Are we sneaking this? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Um, I will take Michael Vick. That guy on the football field in college. Unbelievable. Get up and down. Uh, for my second pick, because we're doing the coolest, or cool, sweetest? Sweetest, coolest, most dope, whatever word you want to do. Okay, we're going to go with Baker Mayfield. Oh, it's token right from Wonderman. The man had swag. We were talking about this the other day. Like, I want him to succeed so much in the NFL. I'm rooting for him a lot. And because I, I think he's a good quarterback, I think he's good. He's just kind of been like in an unlucky situation a lot of the time. Um, yeah. So hopefully he's got a fresh start here in Tampa, Tom Brady Jr. Uh, that's what they maybe we'll have him on pod one day. They're up 2017 right now. They are. It's playing oh, pretty well. Such a good year. Good pick. Um, I'm going to take another kind of juice guy who was good in the NFL for a couple of years. Has fallen off recently. He's, I think he's out of the league right now. But Cam Newton at all. Damn. Hard, hard to get past that. I mean, that national championship year. And he was on that Florida team. Like, just great guy and uh, electric player to watch. And that Mike Vick style, just how unpredictable it was. All right, I will go Marcus Mariota. Oregon. Checked out in all the Oregon Nike gear. Yup. Oh, I remember, I remember the Mariota days, especially because, like, University of Washington, they hate Oregon. Like, my dad told me I wanted to go to Oregon for a while just because I kind of like the colors and, like, it's a cool school, cool area. Um, my dad told me that if I ever went there, he would never wear an Oregon Duck shirt in his life. Like, my sister went to Washington State, which is our cross-state uh, cross rival, and even he was like, okay, I'll wear a Wazoo dad. But he told me, he's like, I will not put Oregon Ducks gear on. Absolutely not drawing the line. Um but yeah, Marcus Mariota is a great pick. He's a good pick. Uh, I was never sold on this guy, but when we talk about the sweetest, the dopest, the coolest, I think he, he fits the mold. Uh, gonna go with Jameis Winston. Ooh, yup. That all-time story of him getting suspended for a game, coming out in his pads, mm -hmm. and getting bitched out by his coach. <laughs> Uh, iconic stuff. That's a W. Yeah. <laughs> That's a W. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that national championship team from Florida State, too. Yeah, we got some we got some winners. And uh, speaking of winners, I'm going to go. It's in a national championship. A guy who has a couple of Super Bowls, and I know it's kind of a bitter topic now, but uh, you got to go Patrick Mahomes. He was pretty electrifying there in college at Texas Tech. That game with him and Baker Mayfield going at it, like, I don't know if it gets much better than that. So I'm going to add him to the roster. I like it. I will go with Lamar Jackson. It's a good pick. 
I think it's crazy that he got so underrated after winning the Heisman. Like his senior year, he kind of fell off the map and everyone forgot that he was the most electrifying quarterback in college football a year ago. Gets stolen by the Ravens in the first round at the end. It's like, we all forgot about him. And then he reminded us like, yeah, I'm a stud. Like I'm gonna go win MVP real quick. Like hold my beer. Um, So I, I like that. So that's pick number four that we got here, fourth round. What do you got, Nicholas? For my fourth round pick, I'm going to go to somebody that I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I don't want to talk negative, but I don't think he's proved himself necessarily in the league yet. Um, but he's still young, and he had probably the greatest college career ever. Uh, that's Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, T-Law. I remember watching him in the Elite 11 when I first yeah. got put on him. It, and then comes into Clemson, wins the natty over there. It was Alabama he beat in his first year. I believe so. Um, just kind of – took the show away and proved the country that he's the man was a consensus number one pick and he's doing great things in jack he's made jacksonville a like quality football team right now which i never thought that i would be saying jacksonville and quality in the same sentence talking about football yeah somebody uh, i saw a take earlier this week that they have them in the afc championship and I, I can't wrap my head around that even the year that they made the afc championship i'm like no like that's just that's the simulation has a glitch right now jacksonville led by blake bortles is in the afc championship against tom brady and they're winning like they were winning for a bit before uh before everything went downhill but uh yeah trevor lawrence dog uh i'm gonna head in the direction of another dog we've kind of been having a theme of mobile quarterbacks and people who really just lit up the show and kind of fumbled in the nfl but it wasn't his fault I'm taking robert griffin the third it was baylor days that heisman season man the fun stuff to watch the Redskins or the Commanders, I should say. If uh, if they didn't screw up his career, I think he could have been a Hall of Famer. And he's a great broadcaster too. He so, is a very good broadcaster. Yeah, I respect. Agree. I agree. Games by game. All right, final pick. Wrapping up. What do we got? Yeah. So on this first Sunday of Eagles season, got to go Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts at Bama or Oklahoma. Two and one. He's taking two and one. Both gotcha. of them. <laughs> I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Kyler Murray. He was very fun to watch in college. He was, and uh, it's fun to watch in the NFL, especially when they make the meme of him just being like super small. <laughs> I was uh, we were talking about this the last episode actually. I uh, popped up because I did like the Mario music in my head whenever he's scrambling. That's the only way that I see it. Um, my last pick. I'm gonna stay with the 2012 draft for a second. Instead of the number two guy with RG3 already on there, I'm gonna take his partner in crime. Career should cut short, but Andrew Luck at stake. Stanford was a beast and he was a beast in the NFL I mean again made Indianapolis if they didn't screw up his career he could still be balling out right now and they really do need a little bit of help at quarterback although uh you know I think Anthony Richardson is going to do all actually I was telling this Nick earlier I think Anthony Richardson is going to have a Baker Mayfield style career solid rookie year fall off in the second year third year come out make a big statement and then just fall off a cliff so there's my hot take hopefully I'm not that wrong and like I'd love to be right my take on a Colorado jumping into the top 25 last week that one came true so hopefully i can go two for two here um but give me Dion son for an honorable mention that man yeah. is sweet so one play that didn't count yesterday scrambled outside of the pocket got broke off three tackles stiff armed guy threw it all into the end zone for the touchdown if it didn't get called back that would have been played that's, that's a johnny football-esque football play absolutely i think he's already in the heisman conversation too it has to be great they got a big yeah. test they play oregon up this weekend i think so bo next against shader sanders mm. and then the week after that they play usc so we're gonna see coach Brock, like is he legit or is he just taking down scrubs 
Who knows? I guess we'll find out. All right, so let's, let's review our list, Kyle. I've got Joe Burrow, Michael Vick, Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts. That's a, good, That's a solid squad. That's a good list. I got uh, Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, Trevor Lawrence, and Kyler Murray. We should just do like a Madden sim of all these guys in the league and like whoever's combined quarterback has the most passing yards, that's who's going to win the draft. I like that. Uh, I took team, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Patrick Mahomes, the third or the second, uh, Robert Griffin, the third, and Andrew Luck. So I got a nice little variety of kind of some uh, pro style quarterbacks, a little bit more obviously the scramblers, you know, the, uh, the big arms. Honorable mention time, Gardner Minshew at Washington State. Gardner Minshew was electric to watch and that Mike Leak offense literally just air raid throw the ball as far as you can that was a fun team to watch Trace McSorley Trace McSorley for an honorable mention uh, he got this at start um, or he was playing for the Patriots in the preseason and I love whenever he trots onto the field Trace McSorley throw on a dime every single time um, yeah I wish that he had a uh, stronger career in the NFL but you know he's, he's doing his practice squad stuff still making um, Bread. Yeah. Any other honorable mentions that we got? Electric college quarterbacks. Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford at Oklahoma. I'm trying to. Th- I thought I had one on, on the tip of my tongue. Uh, oh, Stetson Bennett. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> the old man. I mean, he was what twenty-seven when he graduated. He's older than some guys on his NFL team. He was a, right now. He was like I'm pretty sure a true senior in high school. I know Lamar Jackson had like three thousand rushing yards in the NFL. Uh, another guy, JT Daniels. I saw the stat that he's at his seventh school or something like oh that. God. He's at Rice right now. He was at Georgia, USC. Then he went to West Virginia. And now somehow he still has eligibility. He's playing at Rice. Yeah, Ooh, every single year. Yeah, what you do? Yeah, I think he's like five for five right now. <laughs> crazy. That is crazy. Like, that's, that's a loyalty problem. We, we know somebody that's uh, every semester has gone to a new school. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's pretty, pretty stressful. That is. That happens. Just, just like moving yourself every yeah. six months. And it's like making new friends, having to figure out like a new town, new classes, professors. Like You're literally walking into an unknown room every single time. So. Every time. Yeah. Couldn't well, be me. Well, I think that... Uh, Read until I die. I believe that would conclude... I think, yeah, that's going to do it for the draft. And I mean, this has been an awesome conversation. Really? Yeah. Seriously, great. we can't thank you enough for uh, coming out here. This, is, this has been awesome. Do you have any final thoughts uh, or shout-outs that you want to make here? Well, you have the platform. Floor is all yours. Uh, obviously, got to shout out Coach Ellis over there in the corner setting this up with uh, Coach Armando putting it all together today. But thank you guys. It's been awesome. Um, obviously, I've seen some of your stuff on social media, but it's cool to, to get in the room, you know, get in the living room and uh, talk some shop and put it together it's been great oh yeah i love it yeah this is gonna be our new living room so uh i'm, I'm gonna call that corner right over there that's where i'm gonna put my chair all right um yeah yeah so uh, i'm not sure if you've ever watched an episode made it to the end of the episode uh one of the things that we do every single episode is uh shout out our favorite rapper he is up and coming top 100 in the world yeah uh one of our favorite soundcloud guy yeah know, and he's one of our group guys yeah it's a, it's a pretty mean, guy. amazing teammate uh has dedicated a lot of time to to the, uh, the art of rapping so with that being said uh shout out jules yeah so we all gotta say i'll gotta give him a shout out shout out jules shout out jules hell yeah thank you everybody thanks for listening we'll see you next time have a good one hey yo water boy yeah i'll be stargazing i'll be up in the club i won't come down because i'll be too faded everybody want to walk that talk want to talk that talk like we made it
but they all gon' catch what I got, I'll make the money right back. Bitches be trippin', don't know how to act. He just be singing, don't know how to rap. I really be running this shit like I'm Owen. She like a wave, I'm loving her motion. It's like I'm sipping straight up on the potion. Water be dripping, it feel like and the ocean. I know that I'm different, cause I'm from the other side. She's saying that she want me, girl, that's capping, girl. Never say it, cause you switched up and you lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had to switch up and you lie. Yeah, I'll be stargazing, I'll be up in the clouds. But I won't come down, cause I'll be too faded. Everybody wanna walk that talk, wanna talk that talk like we made it. But they all gon' catch what I got, I'll make the money right back. Bitches be tripping, don't know how to act.